So there are times, especially with our teenagers, that what we have to do is look at how do we step out of that? Because it really takes two to have a battle. So Mm -hmm. can we step outside the battle and just say, I'm not going to fight this fight. I'm going to connect with you. I'm going to hear you. I'm going to let you know what's important to me. And then some of these decisions you need to make yourself. Now, does that mean we totally are hands off with our teens and let them do whatever they want and go drink and use Mm -hmm. whatever substance? (laughs) No, of course not. Like there's still boundaries that we need to set with our teens, but those boundaries won't be affected if there's no connection, no respect and no listening. Working women, how many things are you expected to do on a daily basis? Between walking those 10,000 steps, hydrating, making plant-based meals for our family, Pinterest-worthy lunches for our kids, spectacular date nights for our husband, and let's not forget, climbing that corporate ladder, we're asked to do these things each and every day. So much so that often it feels like we are trying to balance on the high wire of life. So welcome to the High Wire Woman podcast, hosted by me, Rosanna Brary. I'm an immigration lawyer, a mother to a teenage son, a wife, and an entrepreneur who truly believes that working women can have it all. Join me as I interview other high-achieving women, and together, let's learn about the skills and the fortitude that we need to create the happy, prosperous, and balanced life we so richly deserve. Hi, Wire Woman. Oh, parenting, not for the faint-hearted. I was one of those naive women that was like, I'm going to have kids and they're going to be wonderful and they're not going to be like anyone else's terrible, awful, horrible kids. And I do have a delightful kid. Everyone knows, if you know me, my son's name is Salvatore. He's 15. But woo, 15 has been tough. So today I have a great expert, parenting expert, that is going to tell us what we're doing wrong, how to do it better, and give us some advice to be more balanced parents. So I'd like to welcome Christy Keating to the High Wire Women podcast. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to be here. Well, thanks for being here. And what I found so interesting about Christy is that she is a former prosecutor. Christy is an attorney who prosecuted people for doing bad things, which I kind of feel bad for your kids (laughs) without even knowing you, but prosecutor turned parenting coach Christy Keating found that after having her kids, she wanted to create a business where she could use her background as a prosecutor for sexual crimes and passion for parenting to support parents in keeping their kids safe and creating happier, calmer parents. She founded the Heartful Parent to create more calm, connection, and joy for parents. Christy, sign me up to the happier and calmer parents, please. (laughs) So tell us a little bit about your work. Yeah, so thank you for the opportunity. I mean, you summed up my background pretty well. I spent really the first 20 years of my professional career working in law. And about halfway through that, I too became a parent. And I too, like you, thought, oh, this will be great, right? My Mm -hmm. kids will be amazing. And this will just be, you know, a lovely thing that I can do right alongside my work. You know, I was very excited about becoming a parent. And then the reality of it hit. (laughs) the reality for me was really, really challenging. And when my older daughter, who is now almost 13, when she was born, it really felt like the rug was kind of pulled out from Mm -hmm. underneath me. And it's been a roller coaster ride ever since. And so as I was on my own parenting journey and 
balancing or attempting to balance this work that I loved deeply and cared about very much, I started noticing that my interests and my priorities were shifting. And, you know, this career that had defined me in so many ways was kind of taking a back burner because I was falling in love with, I want to say parenting, although I didn't love every minute of parenting, but sort of the, how do we do this well and heartfully and with connection and raise kids that are well-prepared for the world? And so I did go back to school and got certified as a parent coach. You know, as you mentioned, I kind of have combined these things. So I do a lot of work around child sexual abuse and assault prevention. And I talk with parents and audiences and professionals on how to keep kids safer. But I also work with parents one-on-one or with a couple to help them feel like they are managing their own parenting life in a better way where they wake up feeling like I've got this as opposed to feeling like, oh God, not another day. That's where I'm at right now personally. So background, full disclosure, my son Salvatore is the light of my life and a very easy kid to parent until he turned 15. And now I'm looking for the parenting manual playbook telling me what to do because I don't know what I'm doing. Not to mention we're still in the throes of a pandemic. He's still walking around in a mask every day for eight hours a day. It's really hard. So tell me a little bit about the playbook. No one tells you. They don't come with manuals. You know, when they're little, it's all about keeping them physically safe, right? You don't want them to fall or fall down the stairs or bump their head. But as they get older and they approach those teen years, it's really about psychological safety and emotional strength. And that's really hard. It is so hard. And Not only is there no playbook for parenting in general, there is absolutely no playbook for parenting what we're starting year three of a pandemic here. And what you're describing, I mean, of course, we all like to joke. And for years, parents have been saying, oh, teenagers are so hard. They're so hard. They're so hard. And they are. There's some very unique things that are going on in their brains and their bodies at that age that make them more challenging to parent. And we are seeing a whole sort of heightened level of hard right now for families. And any parent coach and any family therapist will tell you that we're seeing increased levels of depression and anxiety and suicidality and just like a general sense of disconnection and not feeling grounded for our teens. Mm -hmm. And really, I think a lot of that is what we're as adults feeling as well. We may have some tools or some better tools for coping with those things, but they're feeling everything we're feeling. And then it's like heightened because they're also in this developmental period with a ton of change going on in their bodies and their brains. And so there is no manual. I always say when I'm speaking with parents, I guess on some level, although this term makes me cringe just a little bit, on some level, I'm a parenting expert. I am, however, not an expert parent. (laughs) (laughs) And I am messing this up, you know, with the best of them. And so part of the playbook is just that willingness to show up every day for our kids, right? To just commit to, all right, it's a new day. We're sticking this out with them and for them and doing the best we can. 
The second piece of the playbook and something that I think we all struggle to kind of recognize is hear a lot of parents say, I can't get my son to listen, or I can't get my daughter to speak respectfully to me, or I Mm -hmm. can't get them to do X, Y, or Z. And I hear this from parents of toddlers, and I hear this from parents of teenagers, and and we sort of place ourselves in battle with our kids, right? Mm -hmm. And what really makes the biggest difference is when we stop and sort of turn that focus or that lens internally and recognize that the only person, and I mean the only person, that we can actually control what they think, what they feel, what they do is ourselves. And that's an uncomfortable reality. (laughs) Nobody likes that. I'd way rather be able to get my 12-year-old to do her homework cheerfully and turn it in, right? And I can't, cannot actually make her do that. And so I have to look at what role I'm playing in whatever dynamic is happening. And that is uncomfortable sometimes, but that's where we got to start. The workaround, you know, once kids get a certain age, 14, 15, 16, you can't really dictate when they go to bed or when they do their homework. You know, they're on their own schedule, so to speak. It's a little different when they're younger because you have more of a routine and more control. So what's the workaround? I can't control when Salvatore goes to bed. Um, Only he can control that. But how do I remove myself from this battle royal every day that I'm looking at my clock and it's like eight o'clock and he hasn't done his homework yet. And I know he's going to be up past midnight and then he's going to be exhausted. And we've threatened to take the phone away, but we haven't because that's more punishing to us (laughs) than him. We've threatened this, we've threatened that. And lo and behold, every day he goes to bed later and later. What's the workaround? What part can I control that will benefit that scenario? Yeah. So in that scenario and in so many others, we have to stop, you know, you described it as like the battle royale that's happening every day. And we have to stop and say, okay, what role are we playing in that battle? And so in this scenario that you just painted, it's really recognizing that sounds like some of the go-to tools have been sort of those threats, Mm -hmm. which often end up to be empty threats. So they're not terribly effective because our kids are like, yeah, yeah, mom, you threatened that last week. And that, right. I know you're not going to follow through on that. I know you're not actually going to take my phone away. And so what can we do? And in some cases, it may just be saying to our kids, Hey, kiddo, you know, I know because I've observed that you function better when you get enough sleep, your grades are better. Your mood is better. Your your ability to get out of bed and make it to school on time is better, et cetera, et cetera. And I also know I can't make you do that. So here are my expectations, right? My expectations are that you make it to school on time without me having to pound on your door at 6.30 in the morning. That is your responsibility. My expectations are that you eat dinner with us every night, you know, if that's one of your things. Sure. You know, my expectations are that you speak with me respectfully and I will speak respectfully with you. And beyond that, I recognize that I cannot control when you go to bed and how much sleep that you get. And so I'm going to stop bothering you about that particular thing. Now, when the fallout from that lack of sleep happens, right, the bad attitude, the late for Mm -hmm. school, the all of that, then we need to address those things with them. And there's a number of different ways to do that. I'm a big fan of weekly family meetings, not 
used in a way to sit and lecture our kids, but right. you know, a collaborative family meeting. And I, I teach my clients how to do those where we're working through and solving some of the problems. The other thing that we can do in all of this is remember that two key parenting tools are connection and listening. And we often forget about that connection piece when we're so caught up in the minutia of the day, the details yeah. of how do we get a Salvatore to bed? How do I get my daughter to clean a room or whatever it is? And we're, we're missing that connection piece and that our kids are so much more likely to at least hear our perspective if they feel connected to us first. And the second piece of that, they're far more likely to listen to us if they first feel heard. So that might in your, you know, in the scenario that you've painted, that might look like sitting down at dinner and saying, you know, I'm noticing that the more we nag, the later you stay up. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So, (laughs) yeah, right. So here's my promise to you. I'm going to stop nagging. And I'd be curious to know from you what you think you could do to get enough sleep and what feels important to you. And then hear what he has to say. And he may say, because a lot of teens do this, I'm just so tired of you bothering me about it, mom, Mm -hmm. that when you say go to bed, he prepares himself for battle and then you prepare yourself for battle. Right. So there are times, especially with our teenagers, that what we have to do is look at how do we step out of that? Because it really takes two to have a battle. So can Mm -hmm. we step outside the battle and just say, I'm not going to fight this fight. I'm going to connect with you. I'm going to hear you. I'm going to let you know what's important to me. And then some of these decisions you need to make yourself. Now, does that mean we totally are hands off with our teens and let them do whatever they want and go drink and use Mm -hmm. whatever substance? (laughs) No, of course not. Like there's still boundaries that we need to set with our teens, but those boundaries won't be affected if there's no connection, no respect and no listening. Yeah. And you get to a point where you're tired of hearing yourself nag, right? You're tired of, I'm like, I'm tired of hearing my own voice. Like, I don't want to live like this. And, you know, I listen to a lot of podcasts and Glennon Doyle's one of my favorite, and she was talking about parenting teenagers. And she said, you're kind of like a potted plant. Like you have to just be there. You don't always have to do or say anything, but they have to know that you're there for them. And the connection part is hard. We're all competing with technology, right? I mean, I'm guilty. I try to have a no phones at the dinner table rule. My husband always violates it. (laughs) I feel like I'm always competing for attention. But I think the five or 10 minutes that I can get are really critical and important. You raised a really interesting point there, which is at the core, fundamentally, our kids are learning from modeling. And so if dad isn't putting his phone away at the dinner table, what motivation does kid have Mm -hmm. to put their phone away at the dinner table? I am a big fan with teens and tweens, both from a sleep standpoint and a safety standpoint at saying that after a certain hour, screens are outside of the bedroom. They're Mm -hmm. not allowed to be in the bedroom. And, you know, that is a boundary that you can set. You pay for the phone, presumably it's your phone. And so there's a check-in time. Now, the trick of that is it has to be at a time when you're still awake and can enforce that. But you can say, hey, look, phones, computers, devices are out of the bedroom by, let's say, 10 p.m. So then that sets the boundary where child, in your case, Salvatore, but Mm -hmm. whoever's child, then has to say, okay, well, I only have till 10 p.m. to use those devices for homework. So I got to work backwards and do it. Is it going to happen right away? Probably not. 
going to take some mistakes and then it's going right. to be begging you at their door. Please, <laughs> mom, I need my computer. <laughs> and that's where those boundaries and sort of holding steady is really important saying, oh, that is a bummer. I'm really yeah. sorry for you that you did, made, made different choices, right? You've been on right. Instagram and Snapchat and chatting with mm. friends and whatever. Now, if you have a kid that you know has been very diligently working on their homework for hours and they weren't able to get it done, then I, mm-hmm. then that might be a place where right, you negotiate. Different. But if they're at eight o'clock and they haven't started their homework, you can say, hey, you got two more hours. So tell us a little bit about, I can imagine the stories that you've seen in your prior <laughs> career as a prosecutor. What concerns me about the technology that exists today, especially things like Snapchat, where everything vanishes. I feel like that should be illegal. I think it's so unhealthy. And kids, of course, gravitate to it because they know it can't be tracked. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, well, the first thing that kids and parents need to realize is that anything and everything that is put on any digital medium should be considered public and permanent. So they like that quote unquote safety of something like Snapchat because they think it vanishes. Right. But it takes one second for someone on the other end of that to take a screenshot. Yes. So everything that goes anywhere, whether it's text, email, Word document, Snapchat, Instagram, I mean, it doesn't matter, should be thought of as public and permanent. So that's the first thing that's really important for all of us to kind of wrap our heads around. And then in terms of safety, I will say, I think parents have a tendency in this day and age to give smartphones to children far before they are developmentally, socially ready for that. I'm a big fan of like the stepping stone into the smartphone, a dumb phone, or my daughter has something called a gab wireless phone that allows her to text. It doesn't get on the internet. And then we will baby step with me in the passenger seat, just like I'm teaching her how to drive. Right. Well, I'm not right now, but what, what I will, <laughs> right? For all your listeners, she's not driving at age 12, I promise. Um, <laughs> but But when we get there, right, when it's time to learn to drive, I'm not going to just put her in the driver's seat and send her on her way and hope for the best. I'm going to sit in the passenger seat. I'm going to coach her through that. And we really need to be doing the same thing with digital devices because our kids don't know how to use them safely. They don't know how to regulate their time. And in fact, those devices are designed to get them sucked in. You know, it's called the economy of attention. And the more that Snapchat and Facebook or Meta, whatever it's called now, you know, can sort of get them sucked in, the more money they make. And so helping our kids understand that they are a commodity. They are not using the product. The product is using them. And then we have to have some really hard safety conversations with them. And I hear a lot of parents say, especially of tweens and teens, like, they don't want to hear from me. And what the research shows is that they actually do. They may act like they don't, but they do want information from us on everything from sex, love, relationships to values and healthy online. I mean, everything. We just have to find the ticket in. And again, that circles us back to that connection piece, right? For sure. Well, I could talk to you for hours. This is fascinating. This is Christy Keating. She has a website called theheartfulparent.com. Christy, if my listeners want to know more about better parenting, how to keep their kids safe, how to keep everything in balance. What's the best place for them to go to to find out more? Yeah, so my website that you just mentioned is a great place to go. But since I know that your listeners are working moms and dealing with that balance between how do we manage all of the things going on with our kids right now? 
with all of the things going on professionally right now, if they go to theheartfulparent.com slash balance, there is a free download there with four, what I call four heartful habits for finding better balance in our lives as parents. And I'll just clarify that's heartful, H-E-A-R-T-F-U-L, not some people think it's heartfelt. So if they go to heartfelt, <laughs> they won't find me. <laughs> it's that's the heartful the parent, like the full heart, right? The full heart. That's right. And that's a, a handout that I hope will be helpful as, you know, your listeners try to navigate feeling okay themselves as they're trying to help their kids navigate this, these crazy, crazy times. Yeah. Highwire Women, I downloaded it today. It's a great one pager to stick on your fridge. There's a great Brene Brown quote that I'll leave you with. It says, daring to set boundaries is about having the courage to love ourselves, even when we risk disappointing others. <sighs> Brene, always. <laughs> love her, right? I just love her. So much wisdom in that. Well, Christy, thank you so much for sharing this. I know this is a hot topic. It's very difficult to be a parent on a good day, let alone in the third year of a pandemic. Yeah. So thank you for being here today. Thank you so much for having me. It's really been a pleasure. Thank you for listening to the Highwire Woman podcast. If you enjoyed this episode or others, I hope you'll share it with a friend so together we can all stay on that high wire of life. Make sure to subscribe or follow us on your favorite listening platform so you never miss an episode and follow us on social media at Highwire Woman for more information. Until next time, I'm Rosanna Berardi. Be sure to stay on that high wire of life.